Praise the Lord. So we've been learning from First uh, Corinthians. So far, by the grace of God, we are able to study till chapter 9 today. We're going to learn from chapter 10. So I'll start by reading from uh, chapter 10, verses 1 to 5. Moreover, brethren, I would not that we should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, when we look at chapter 10, it carries on the same subject that we were learning from chapter 8 and chapter 9. What we were learning in chapter 8 and chapter 9 was the Corinthian church was asking a question to Paul where they were saying, can we have the meat that is sacrificed to idols? So when we come to 1 Corinthians 8, Paul brought out two principles in that chapter. The first principle that Paul said is, an idol, it is nothing. There is nothing for us to fear in an idol. And it is fine for a Corinthian Christian to have food or have the food that is sacrificed because the idol has no power. So what Paul is saying the Corinthian church is, that the knowledge that you have is right. But there is a second principle that Paul was emphasizing to the Corinthian church. And the second thing that he said was, even though you have knowledge, Christian love is more important than knowledge. So in other words, even though you can eat the meat sacrificed to an idol, if it causes your brother to stumble, then you should not at any means have the meat. And now Paul, when he comes to the consecutive chapters, he mentions a very specific word. He says, if I have a brother and if he will stumble when I have food, when I have a meat, then I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to have meat the whole of my lifetime. So that is the type of dedication that Paul is saying to the church. That is what love is. I will do anything for my brother to stay or hold on to Christ. So now when we come to 1 Corinthians 9, now Paul talks about his right, the way he gave up his rights. So there he says, even though he has the right to be supported by the Corinthian church, because as we all know, the Corinthian church was established by Paul. He says that supporting a Christian minister is part of the call of the church. In other words, he has the right to be supported. But even when that right is there, he gave up his right so that the church would be blessed. So now what Paul, what Paul was saying to the Corinthian church was, 
in the same way you have to give up your right so that the weaker brother would stay on with christ so that was the next principle what he was talking in first corinthians tonight but there is another beautiful thing that he ends in chapter 9 and there he says he disciplines his body so that he will not be disqualified so the beauty of that thought was what paul is saying is a christian must be willing to give up some things even good things for the sake of winning the grace raised god has said before us otherwise we will become disqualified in other word in the competition of a christian life when we read hebrews 12 holy spirit says that you and i are running a race so now paul is bringing up another principle where he's saying that for you and me to win that race that god has kept before us if you have to give up some good things then you have to do it why so that you would not be disqualified what a beauty do you see the way the maturity of paul is being shown in these letters now when we study these letters that's where we understand that god was not simply using paul god's word was established in this man's heart in our christian life there will be things that is beneficial for us that is good for us that is beautiful for us but yet if i have to give that up i need to do that why because i am running a race see when paul says that word you can see paul says that an athlete he disciplines his body so that he could win a crown a crown that will fade away but you and i are running a race where the crown will not fade away in other word it is eternal so when you keep that in mind and run races it teaches us one thing it teaches me and you that as we run this life for jesus there are things that we have to give up see just like an athlete see we all know if we were to just imagine today an athlete training for him olympics could be one of the most important event that he's going to run and he would get ready for that event so do you know if that event is supposed to happen in one of the months in a year he starts training from the beginning of the year so as he starts training there are things he has to give up he cannot have every type of food he has to exercise every day now his coach would tell him see you need to bring down your weight to a certain weight you need to run a much better pace so there are styles that he changes there are things that he sacrifices so maybe if he has a weight of 80 kilos or 
His coach is going to tell him, see, you need to bring down your weight. So you can't have these type of food. You can't go out like others do because you need to get 10 hours of sleep. So in other words, he's sacrificing his life. There are good things that he can do. His friends, on the other hand, they can go out, they can enjoy life. But when he looks at them, I'm sure he could say, oh, my life is tough. But do you know how he motivates himself? It is by telling, I have an Olympics to run. And I represent my country. Child of God, let's keep this in heart. In our journey of this earth, there are things that is hard. There are things that is painful. But we need to keep in heart that we represent God. And we represent his kingdom. So when we keep that in mind, there will be discouragement. See, I'm sure if you talk to athletes, they would tell you that. See, every day is not the same day. There are times that emotion goes up and down. There are times when emotions will have a high peak and a low peak. But if you see these type of athletes, they'll tell you, it doesn't matter. I still have to pursue my goal. The reason why I am taking this time to tell you that end portion is because from there, Paul is telling us, if you're not careful, we will go through trouble. Now, he's going to prove that by telling history, by telling about the people of Israel. That's what you see in chapter 10. Now, Paul says by saying, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, what happened to our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. God guided all of them by sending a cloud that moved along ahead of them. And he brought them all safety, safely through the waters of the sea or dry ground. As we meditate on this word, we need to keep in heart. God guides you and me in the same way. The word of God says, the fathers passed under the cloud. In other words, this cloud was a protection when the sun was so heavy. This cloud would rise up to tell them, now you can go, now you need to stop. In the same way, as a Christian, as a child of God, the Lord is telling us that we have the same presence of God that will guide us. That's why Sam says, I will instruct you and guide you in the way that you should go. In other words, if we were to ask God, God will guide us. God will instruct us. Today, as we study this word, let this word encourage us to tell us that we will not fall down. The cloud of God is above us to protect us, to keep us. Whatever trouble we are going through, whatever discouragement we are going through, keep this in your heart. The presence of God is covering us. Number two, 
He brought them all safely through the waters of sea on dry ground. We know the history. When the people of Egypt crossed the Red Sea, God opened a door where there was not a way. In reality, all they saw was Red Sea, but God moved away where it felt impossible. Child of God, today God is telling us whatever trouble we are seeing in front of us, if we would trust God, if we would look to God, the deliverance will come through. We need to trust God that God is powerful enough to open a way where there seems to be no way. The word of God says the sea stood still and they walked through dry ground. Hallelujah. Never ever in the world have we heard where the sea stood still. In other words, if God has to make a way for us, things that seems impossible will become possible for us. The only thing that we need to do is to trust God. Hold on to God. Tell God, Abba, I believe you for what you will do in my life. And if we will do, just like the people of Israel, he will open a way for us. Verse 2, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea. This not only shows us how God guided and protected his people, it also shows us a New Testament principle. All the people of Israel who were walking through did go through as if they were baptized. In other words, baptism is not something that we take for the sake of church. Baptism is we telling God, Lord, I understand that I'm a sinner and I want my old man to be buried so that I could have the new man I could walk in the newness of the power of God. So the Bible here is telling us that the people of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves to the world. But when God delivered them from the world, they were walking in the newness of life. Verse 3, and they'd all eat the spiritual meat. In other words, they had spiritual manna. Every man and woman, when we read the Bible, we say, see that they were fed by manna. Today, the question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we getting fed by the spiritual food? Do we sit before God to have the spiritual food? The people of Israel, they had a daily manna. In other words, they had a devotional time. They saw the hand of God. God's hand fed them. That's why when you read the Bible, it says they were not sick when they traveled. The word of God sustained them. See, just imagine. See, the 40 years that they were walking. They did not need to change dress. So God was sustaining them. See, today when we stand before some, we say, oh, it's too hot. They were walking through desert. But God's hand protected them. 
It is the spiritual manna that strengthened them, that healed them, that equipped them to keep on moving with God. So today as we read this word, this word has to encourage us to sit before the presence of God daily so that we could walk in the newness of life. Most of us misses that newness of life because we do not have the spiritual food. If we don't have the spiritual food, we will become weak in our spiritual walk with God. Verse 4, and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. When we read Bible, Jesus says, if anyone comes behind me, out of you will come rivers of living water. The Bible here says, they had the same spiritual drink. Are we daily filled by the Holy Spirit? Do we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? Do we enjoy his presence every moment? The people of Israel, the word of God says they had the same spiritual drink. See, all this teaches us how do we walk with God? How do we walk with Jesus? See, it's not just the spiritual manna that fed them. It was they drank from the water that flowed through Jesus. When we read the Bible, we see that. Holy Spirit who comes from Jesus. Jesus said, once I go, I will send the comforter. So we are all filled by the Holy Spirit. But we need to come daily before God and get filled by his presence. Move in his presence. With all that, verse 5 says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Don't you think that's a very strong statement? As a child of God, were they delivered from the world? Yes. Were they delivered from Satan? Yes. Were they baptized? Yes. Did they have manna? Yes. Were they filled in the Holy Spirit? Yes. But yet the word of God says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. What does that mean? Well pleased. Let me read another version, verse 5. Yet after all this, God was not pleased with most of them. I like that word, well pleased. The Holy Spirit did not use the word just pleased. He said well pleased. In other words, all of them, they were spiritual. All of them had spiritual experience. All of them had knowledge. So now he's telling the Corinthian church, you guys have everything, but do you know one thing? God was not well pleased with them. In other words, they who walked with God was not looking at the heart of God. Hey, let me give you one example. See, just imagine if I was to come to your house today 
if you would bring me a tea or maybe a juice, I would happily bring it. So even if its taste is not as expected, I would not say anything because it's okay for me. I'm satisfied with the drink. But if I come back to my home, if my wife is to give me a juice or a tea, if it is not as expected, I would tell my wife, hey, get me another tea. Get me another juice because I, that was not, I didn't really like it. In other words, there is an expectation when I come to my home. My wife, she makes things to please me, not just to satisfy my thirst. It's in the same way, when we walk with God, we're not just walking with God to just satisfy. Oh, I go to church on Sunday. Why? Oh, everybody tells I need to go to, go to church on Sunday. I read the Bible. Why do you read the Bible? Oh, because everybody says, man, just read one chapter. The, the problem with these type of attitude is you are not connected with God. See, that's why the Bible says most of them, he was not well pleased. In other words, they were not satisfying the heart of God. They were happy with God, what God was giving, but they did not look and they did not think about God's heart. Now let me give you another statement here. The Bible says most of them, can you imagine what number is that? Some people say there were close to 10 lakh people who came out of Egypt. Now when the Bible says most of them, can you imagine that there were only two who entered canon? Just two. Ten lakh and two talks to me a big number. And the Bible says most of them. <laughs> so then, when we study that word, it should bring fear in our heart. It tells me Something. It tells me, Jesslyn, you might have manna, you might have the Holy Spirit, you might have everything, but if if you don't look to the heart of God, you're in great trouble. You can say you have all the knowledge of the Bible, but that does not help. That's what Paul is telling the Corinthian church. The, the Corinthian church is saying, we have greater knowledge, but Paul is saying that is not going to help you. If your aim is not to please God. Verse 6. Now these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So now all these things have been written as example for us. Why? So that you do not lust after evil things. Last day when I was meditating on that thought. I saw a statement for lust. It says, lust means not content with what you have. Instead, you have a different desire. That statement shocked me because for me, lust was something sexual. 
See, sometimes I, I, I know that statement, but yet my mind used to move to that area. But the moment that word lust, see, that's why when you read Psalms, the Bible says they lusted for things and God gave them what they want, but they had leanness unto their soul. Do you know that you can ask God for everything and yet God will not be happy? Do you know that? The Bible says they asked for it and God sent leanness to their souls. I want you to read Psalm 106 verses 15. So we, we, we go through the verse that is. I'll read Psalms 106 verses 15. And he, okay, I'll read from verse 14. But lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness unto their soul. Do you see? They lusted exceedingly. In other words, they were not content in what God gave them. They cried and they weeped and they complained to God. God, I want that. I want this. Why are you not giving it to me? The Bible says God gave them their request. This is a statement we need to keep in hearts because sometimes there are people who say, I cried unto God, I fasted, I told God, if you don't give me, I'm not going to leave you. Because we have got that wrong statement from Genesis where Jacob holded on to God. But that's entirely different from the lust that you're talking here. See, please keep in mind, sometimes when you hold to God so much, God would say, if that's what you need, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. And do you know when you get it, what happens? You become lean. In other words, you spiritually would become thin. You do not grow in him, but instead you decrease in him. There will be leanness unto your soul. So to, from this day onwards, when you pray, Keep this in mind. Bible says you can pray. Whatever you pray, you will receive. But the Bible says very specifically that word is used in John 15 where it says abide in me and my word will abide in you. In other words, when you abide in God, God's life flows in you. And as a result, you have the mind of Christ. And from the mind, you have seen what is the will of God. And when you pray according to the will of God, you will receive what you have prayed. The reason why I take time to explain this is because we have a lot of wrong statements today. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I got it. Today the church has a lot of people who prayed and who has got destroyed. Because they received all that they asked but the one thing they forgot to ask was 
if God was happy, if God was pleased with their request. So let's always cry out to God when we pray, God, this is what I desire. This is what I want. But Lord, are you pleased with my request? If not, let me not have it. See, when you reach heaven, God is not going to ask you how many prayers did you pray and you got was answered. But instead, it's you reaching heaven and God saying good and faithful servant. So let's always keep that in mind. Verse 7, neither be we idolatrous as were some of them as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now when we read this word, we know the history. So knowing the history, we can always ask who is an idol worshipper in the church, by the way. There is no idols in the church. But do you know, yes, there are idols in the church because when we read the letters where Paul says, even Paul says, flee from idolatry, keep away from idolatry. So what is this idolatry? An easy explanation is, see, when you look at the people of Israel, when did they create an idol? Moses was leading them. Moses was guiding them. So now Moses has gone to meet God. And now they don't have a leader. A leader is missing. So when a leader is missing, you miss the vision. You miss purpose. You miss destiny. All this is missing. So now they created an idol that would bring purpose. That would bring clarity to vision. That would show them destiny. So in other words, if you were to ask me what is an idol, I would say idol is anything that can influence you to change your ways, change your character, change you. See, this is why the Bible says that some of them, as a result, people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Do you know what it means? It means the moment an idea comes into your life, now you will have purpose, you will have destiny. See, when career can be an idol, education can be an idol, family can be an idol, habits can be an idol, exercise can be an idol, ministry can be an idol, a pastor can be an idol. See, because all of these things can bring you a wrong purpose. See, that is why when you read 1 Peter, the word of God says that you've been delivered from sin and from emptiness of life. In other words, when we live this life, there is this thought, oh, if I do this, if I'm going to reach this position, I'm going to be something. And then when they reach that position, they say, yeah, it's good, but uh, everything is same. I don't know if you have, if you have uh, heard some of the interviews of Instagram millionaires. 
I remember hearing one of one of the interview of an Instagram millionaire. So he was saying he has millions of dollars. He's billion of dollars. So he was saying he has money. So he bought a Bugatti, very costly. So now he's asking the interviewer, see now, what do I do next? See, I, I already have a Ferrari, I have a Bugatti, I have a Porsche, but nothing else can I do now. See, I, I, I want one of the costliest watch, I, I bought it. But there's nothing more. Do you see? This is what is called emptiness of life. You thought that if you if you go to achieve something, you're going to be something. But when you reach there, you understood everything is same. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> and that's why the Bible says, they rose up to play. They sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. In other words, when these idols start controlling our lives, you know what becomes important? Eating, drinking, playing, these things becomes important. We are more focused on what we eat. We are more focused on what we drink. We are more focused on our sensual desires. Anything, anything and anything that controls you and your desires is an idol. The next word Verse 8, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. We know in the journey, Balaam, a prophet, through his shrewd instruction to the king, the people of Israel committed fornication. As a child of God, it is important that we protect ourselves sexually. Satan always tries to bring us to a fall. I always say this one statement. If Satan cannot get you at the lowest side of the ladder, he will wait for you to reach the top of the ladder. See, so the reason why he allows you to walk with sin at the top of the ladder is because the moment you reach on the top and then when you fall, it makes a sound. It affects a lot of people. It affects you. But if you fall at the beginning of your step, nobody would know. Nobody would be affected and you can easily come out. As a child of God, it is always be very careful, especially in the side of sexual purity. If we have not win or overcome in that area, it should be our cry to God. If pornography is a problem for you, you need to cry out to God. If your eyes cannot be controlled, you have to cry out to God. Touch with people, you have to cry out to God. As a child of God, always keep in heart sexual 
purity is very important. Some people, they talk filthy talk, sexual talk, sexual arousing talks. You cannot do it. Keep in mind, you will fall. The people of Israel are examples for us. It is true. A shrewd instruction from Balaam, which was not right, was given. But the question is, if you and I are pure, we will never fall into these traps. I'm reminded of a great man of God called Billy Graham. I'm sure everybody has heard this name. Do you know Billy Graham was very busiest man. He was a very well-sought man in nations. I have heard that this man, when he goes into countries, there are a group of people who's always with him. So when he gets into a hotel. These men who are with him would first get into the room, check every corner, make sure the room is clean and only then will they allow him to enter the room. In other words, they were very careful. Why am I saying this? Let's be careful. Let's be careful. Sometimes you and I can say, oh yes, I have overcome most of the lust of my life. Sexual purity is part of my life. <clears throat> but keep this in mind. Just because you have overcome that area does not mean you're protected completely. You have to safeguard that soul or else Satan will attack you before you know. Verse 9, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. The next thing, they tempted God. How did they tempt God? See, when they were, <clears throat> when they were going through trials, they kept murmuring. They kept crying out to God. They said, God, don't you know that we're going through all these issues? Don't you know that we need help from you? The Bible says, don't tempt Christ. It means, what does it mean to us? See, there are times when we will go through trials. It is normal for us to speak. See, this word does not teach you and me to say that you cannot talk to God. But it does it does tell us something else. It tells us that you don't go to a place where you say, God, I'm going through this trouble and you don't like me. I know I'm not going to waste my time. Don't just walk away from God. You can always talk to God. You can always tell God what you're going through. You can always tell God what is in your heart. God will happily hear from you. But we have to be very careful. Number 10. Neither murmur we as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So murmuring is also an issue. See, when we read this verse, doesn't it give us a shock where it says, 
murmuring. See, sometimes when we go through troubles, have we not murmured? Have we not felt that we cannot move forward? Have we not felt that we murmur accidentally? See, what is God saying here? Can we not murmur? Yes, we can. But murmuring means you move around people. Oh, my life is so bad. I can I don't know what is happening with my life. No doors are opening. No. Child of God, come sit in the present. Tell God, tell God your problems. Tell him, Abhijah, I'm not feeling right. I don't think I can stay around. But I think it's so hard. Would you please help me? See, and God helps us. See, let's keep that in mind. See, and the Bible, of, Bible says, and they were destroyed of the destroyer. Verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So these are all written for our life so that we could be faithful. The next word says, verse 12. Wherefore let him that think he stand take heed lest he fall. So in other words, Paul is telling the Corinthian church. Guys, you think you have all knowledge? You think you have all spiritual gifts? You think you know everything? Then you have to be careful. In other words, he's telling them, you are not guarding your souls. You think you have everything. You think because you have knowledge, you can win battles. So Paul is saying, if you think you can stand, it means you have fallen. I'm reminded of this word again and again and again. See, if you look at army people and look at soldiers, when they stand to guard, it is true. At this point of time, nobody is going to attack them, but they have to be vigilant. For the last five years, maybe 10 years, Nobody would have attacked them. It's true. But that has nothing to do with anything. Five years or 10 years or 15 years. If you think that you're never going to get attacked, it means you're fallen down. So now Paul is saying, if you think you stand, then you, you have already fallen. See, let this word be a reminder to us. How do we bring this word into an application into our life? It is by always coming to God and seeking his face, telling God, Lord, thank you for helping me to overcome things by your grace. But God, give me the grace to stand pure in every areas of my life. Lord, let me not bring down my protection. Let me never put anything that would bring trouble into my life. Now, let's go to the next word. Verse 13. There are no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above, that we are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that we may be able to bear it. Now, Paul is saying, there is no temptation that will affect you. I'll read another, another version. But remember that the temptation that come into your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you're tempted, 
He will show you a way out so that you will not give into it. What a powerful word. What a powerful word. So now when we read this word, we read all the things that is written in the Bible. Paul is saying, don't get worried. Don't get scared. Don't think, oh, so it doesn't mean I cannot make it. Now Paul is encouraging them. Paul is telling them, you need to keep in mind. There is no temptation that God will send. In other words, any trouble, any problem that I will face today, it has to face Jesus first. There is no problems, no troubles that will come to my life, which Jesus has not commanded an S to it. Now, if Jesus has said yes, it means it is not beyond my strength. It means God has given me the grace to overcome it. Number two, the word of God says, there is no temptation that will come to your life which others haven't overcome. In other words, you're not alone. You're not exceptional. Can I put up a different word here? No temptation is so bigger because you have a different calling. No temptation will come to your life because you're unique. No temptation will come to your life in such a way where you think, I'm so special that I have to go through this. No. Every temptation that you and I go through, there are people who have overcome. They, the same people who by the grace of God overcame, that same God will strengthen you, will equip you to overcome it. And above all things, he will show you a way out of temptation. In other words, when certain temptations are so heavy, so high, you can cry out to God and tell God, Lord, please show me a way out of it. Please show me a way out of it. I still remember, I'm reminded of one of my friends telling me once when he was staying away from his motherland in another place when he was studying, he was staying at a house. Every day, he had to go through a sexual temptation. Every single day. So every day, he was telling me, he would either have a dream or a word from God. And that's how he was protected. He was telling me there were times he felt he will fall away. But somehow, the grace of God would be available. Sometimes, when he's all ready to fall, when he says, see, when you... When you get attacked daily, it affects you. See, when you get attacked once or twice, it's fine. But if you're affected daily, it means it needs a lot of character and perseverance. So he was telling me, just there were times when I felt I will fall off. And do you know what happens at that time? Suddenly, somebody would come at home. Suddenly, he has to go out somewhere. Hallelujah. See, today I want to tell you, God will make a way. See, when we go through temptations, when we go through troubles, keep this in mind. There is a God who will open a way for you to come out of temptation. Hallelujah. What a mighty word. What a mighty word. Verse 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, Paul is saying, with all this, he's saying, flee from 
are hereditary. In other words, anything that will influence you, anything that will control you, anything that that will keep you away from walking with God. Flee from it. Flee from it. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. Because if you stay there, you will be affected by it. You will be influenced by it. So Paul is saying, flee from idolatry. Now verse 15, I speak as to wise men, judge me what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold Israel after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idol is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that we should have fellowship with devils. We cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devil. We cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devil. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Now Paul brings out the same thing that he was talking. Can you have meat that is worshipped to idols? See, Paul again brings out the statement, idol is nothing. It does not have power. But now he brings out something different. He's telling the Corinthian church, do we all come to God with a cup of blessing? The communion that we have at church. What does it represent? It represents one body, one mind, one spirit. So when we come to the Lord's table, what are we saying? We are saying that we are one body and we are partakers of this bread. We are partakers of the presence of God. We are partakers of the blessings of God. So communion tells us that we are attached to Jesus and we are influenced by his power. So now Paul is saying, so now if communion has a meaning, he's telling the Corinthian church, when you partake of the meat in the temple, there is a demonic entity that is influencing the worship. It is true that you have knowledge that idol cannot do anything. But if you can, if you step into the temple and you become partaker of what they are doing and have what they have, you're going to be influenced by demonic entity. You see that? So now he's bringing out something different. Now he's saying, this we need to be careful. So he's saying the moment you get into a temple, you become partaker of what is happening there. You're fellowshipping with the devil. In other words, you're opening door for the devil. You are saying that you are partaking with them. Whatever they do, you are saying, yes, it is okay. When you become part of their festival, when you become part of what they do, 
you are being part of that ritual and these rituals have influence do you see that what a beautiful way paul is bringing this out we cannot drink the cup of the lord and the cup of devil we cannot be partaker of the lord's table and the table of the devil in other words idol is nothing you can have the meat but you cannot be part of the rituals you cannot be part of the fellowship in the temple you cannot just walk into a temple and say oh i know that idol does not have power so i'm going to i'm going to walk with my friend all around here no he's saying you you're having fellowship with the devil and look at verse 22 do we provoke the lord to jealousy are we stronger than he what is paul saying paul is saying see when you become part of these type of fellowships we are provoking god to jealousy what does that mean it means see when i love somebody and if they go to places where i don't like it provokes me it doesn't provoke me to destroy them it provokes me that they are going in a wrong way so now paul is saying you need to be careful see you need to make decisions from the heart of god it is not your knowledge that makes you to make decision it is the heart of god verse 23 all things are lawful to me but all things are not expedient all things are lawful for me but all things edify not verse 23 i'll read another version you say i'm allowed to do anything but not everything is helpful you say i'm allowed to do anything but not everything is beneficial in other word as a child of god you can do everything and anything but whatever you do you should always ask this question is it helpful for me is it beneficial for me it is true you can do everything see you can go to a church in the way you like nobody is going to question you but question is is it helpful is it beneficial in what way so question is is it helpful for me some people would tell me see i just i like this dress why because it's helpful for me no it's not helpful for you is it helpful to bring glory to god because you are not yours anymore the question is not about you the question is are you glorifying god that's a very strong statement at a very please in our culture where we can do anything paul says yes you can do everything but paul's statement is so beautiful is it helpful in other words is it helpful for you to grow in christ is it beneficial for you and for others so that they understand that this is a child of god so this is the question we don't love we don't like you know we say oh in jesus i i am free yeah you're free yeah very true free for what you're free 
in Christ. Keep that in mind. You're free in Christ. You're not free in yourself. You're free in Christ. In other words, whatever you do, it should be helpful for you to dwell in Christ. It should be beneficial for you in Christ. That's where it helps you. Verse 24. Don't think only of your own good. Think of other Christians and what is best for them. That's what Paul is saying. In other words, don't be selfish. When you become selfish, when you become all about yourself, you will fall. So what do you think? You think about God. You think about others. So whatever you do, whenever you do, wherever you do, first think about God, the Heavenly Father. Second, think about others. Why do I sacrifice? I sacrifice so that my brother would not fall. Why do I walk that type of walk? Because I don't want my brother to fall off because of me. Verse 25. Whatever is sold in the shambles that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therefore. If any of them believe not, bid you to a feast and we be disposed to go. Whatsoever is said before you, eat asking no question for conscience sake. So if you go into a market, see at that time, they used to get meat from the temples. The, this, this meat that comes from the temples was less costly. So Paul is saying you can buy it from the market. It is fine. It will not affect you. For, for conscience sake, don't worry. He's saying everything that, that is created is God's. So you don't have to worry about it. So now, because I tell you all these things, let your conscience not be burdened. So you can go and buy. That's fine. But, verse 28, But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto the idols, eat not for his sake, that showed it, and for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therefore. Again, Paul is using the same word. See, in one side, Paul said, you can have everything for your conscience sake. Don't worry. The earth is the Lord and everything is in the hand of God. But the same Paul says, if your brother is going to get offended, don't have it. And then the word next he says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it is his. Do you know what Paul is saying here this time? He's saying, so now, when you go into the market, if there is a brother, he says, Hey, Justin, that's offered to idols. What do you do? You tell him, Oh, it's offered to idols. Okay, so now I understood my brother's conscience is weak. So I tell him, Thank you for telling me I'm not going to buy it. So I walk away from there to another 10 kilometers. There is another market. I go there and buy meat because the earth is the Lord's and everything. Is given you. Do you see that? That's what God is saying. See, that's what Paul is saying. See, Paul is saying, if your weak brother is in that market, don't buy it. But just don't worry. Five kilometers away, there is another market. Go buy it. That's fine. See, sometimes, have you seen people saying, Christian life, so boring. Yeah. Can't go anywhere. Can't do anything. Everything is a problem. So I would say Paul is saying, hey guys, don't worry. The earth is the Lord's. 
and everything, everything is before you. Go enjoy, go enjoy. Don't be in one place and say, I can't enjoy anything. God has put everything for you there. Verse 29, conscience I say not in all but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of? For which I give thanks. Whether therefore we eat or drink, whatsoever we do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Give no offense neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Now Paul is saying, whatever I do, I do it only for the glory of God. And I try my best to please all that is before me. Now, see, I want to balance it when I tell you. See, we as children of God, we are not men pleasers. Please keep this in mind. We are not men pleasers. But we accommodate people. Why? So that we might win them for Christ. See, never have this thought that God is not telling us to be men pleasers. God is telling us every opportunity that is in front of you. Sacrifice. Humble yourself. Why? So that you might win a brother, a sister in Jesus Christ. Today, what a beautiful word we have learned today. God is telling us that as we walk with God, we might have everything. But if we don't please God, we will fall off. We will fall off. Now, Paul, as we know, he was talking about sacrificing meat to the idols. Now, he's brought a lot of principles. Let all these principles teach us to come closer to God, to come closer to the heart of God. Today, let's cry out to God. Lord, let us not be like the people of Israel. Lord, thank you for calling us. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for helping us to see your miracles. But Lord, help us to enter the rest. Help us to enter the calling that you have called us. Let this be our prayer as we walk with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we come to your holy presence. Father, we want to thank you for speaking to us. What a beautiful word, Appa. Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Appa, we want to live for your glory. Appa. Lord, give us the grace to flee from idolatry of God. Anything that is influencing us, oh God, help us to flee from it. We, we pray and we ask oh God for your help. Lord, I want to tell you, Father, we love you. We want to thank you for speaking with us. We want to give you all the glory. Thank you, Father. Whoever hears this word, I pray that they would be blessed, oh God, and that they would repent of their sins, oh God, and walk a life that is pleasing to you, Father. We want to give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.